This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. All right, everybody, this is the 2023 Year in Review show coming up right here on It Was a Thing on TV here at Place to Be Nation Pop. Just a fair bit of warning. To save ourselves time when we were doing the special, we recorded part one three weeks earlier than part two. So there's going to be some subjects where we repeat ourselves in part two that we might have talked about in part one. I just want you guys to know that we record these weeks apart, the segments, so that way we'd save ourselves time when we were doing the year in review show because we didn't want to be recording that for like four or five hours like we have done in previous years. So just a fair bit of warning. So hope you enjoy it. And remember... After this drop, we will be having It Was a Thing on TV right here at Play Speed Nation Pop on Fridays. So this is the final Wednesday drop. So for now, here we go with the 2023 It Was a Thing on TV year in review. An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 440, the 2023 Year in Review, Part 1. As we've done in the past, we're going to take a look at the events, the passings, and our favorite shows in the year 2023. To start, we're going to talk about the news and happenings in the television world in 2023. We know about the big one. We're going to get to the big one a little bit later on, but we're going to start talking about on the 2nd of January, we almost saw on live TV, somebody pass away. I'm talking about DeMar Hamlin, the safety for the Buffalo Bills. Thankfully, he's still with us. And he's even active nowadays, but for a little while there, we thought we were going to uh, lose Damar. And this would not be the first time if it happened. And obviously we don't want to wish anything negative on anybody, but this would not have been the first time somebody passed away playing a football game, an NFL football game. Because there is somebody, I believe played for the lions back in the seventies who uh, passed away on the field lions or Raiders or somebody like that. But yeah, thankfully he is still with us and still active. And I still remember uh, the reaction coming in in real time in 4k, all of the reaction, uh, it ranged from positive press for his charity, which got a lot of money and a lot of donations coming in from that. And also just a lot of reaction on the field where all of the players just stopped, took a breath, took a beat, took a knee, said a prayer. It was a very solemn time when this happens. We're going to jump to the 17th of January where the post-Trevor Noah era of The Daily Show began with the show returning from a five-week hiatus with Leslie Jones beginning a week-long stint as the guest host. 
and maybe it's just me, but they're still doing a host search of sorts, or rather, maybe not a host search, but just randomly putting people in, in the hosting position when the Daily Show airs. Because I, I don't watch the Daily Show that often, but it seems like every time I turn on Comedy Central at 11 o'clock or look at my, my DVR, it seems like reruns of South Park or The Office or something else is airing at that point. So maybe The Daily Show's on its last legs? And with that, we'll go to the 19th, two days later. And I know Greg's going to have stuff to say about this, and I do too, but I'm going to defer to Greg. The CW gets into the world of live sports with live golf. Uh. I was waiting for some sort of commentary about how it's golf uh, being paid with Saudi Arabian blood money, but. Oh yeah. It's absolutely terrible. Now I should note, if you want the definitive thing on live golf, Dan O'Toole, had on his podcast, Boomsies, a segment about how awful Liv Golf is, about how he does not understand this and why anyone would even give a shit about this. I'm personally wondering how a golfer I've never heard of just got paid this week as the time we're recording $300 million to play for Liv Golf. Are you talking about John Rahm? Yes, never heard of him. He won the Masters this year, and everyone is pissed at him because he was like one of the vocal people who was against Liv. Money talks. Well, I hope Jamal Khashoggi's ghost haunts John Realm to the grave. We're going to jump ahead to February, where on the 3rd, we saw somebody on television that really we haven't seen in eight years at that point. The person I'm talking about is Paul Schaefer and the world's most dangerous band filled in on the tonight show. And that was amazing. Yeah. They were in town for the Grammys, if I'm not mistaken. So this would be their first appearance at 30 rocks since the end of late night. So yeah, well over 30 years at that point. Correct. February 16th, maybe not big news, but Ryan Seacrest announces that he's going to step down as a co-host and executive producer on live with Kelly and Ryan. And we've talked about this. The new sidekick to Kelly is her husband, Mark Consuelos. And I don't want to spoil what's going to come up in a little bit. We may not even mention it now that I say this, but Ryan Sequest, Ryan Sequest. God damn it. Ryan Sequest DSP. No, keep, keep that in. No, that's staying. Ryan's. Yeah. What about <laughs> hold on? What about Ryan Seacrest 2020? Hold on. What about That's Ryan C Lab 2020? <laughs> Ryan Sequest 2020 2032. Sequest 2032. You don't Ryan look C- like Jonathan Brandis to me. So as I was saying, Ryan Seacrest, he's gonna be the host of Wheel of Fortune starting in the 2024-2025 season. Going to March on the 8th of March. Fremantle, who, you know, uh, produces shows including The Price is Right, Press Your Luck, other game shows primarily, announced that they're leaving CBS Television City to Haven Studios in Glendale. You see the changes in the current 
episodes of Price is Right, I don't think it's as apparent on Press Your Luck. Besides the fact that they say in the open for both the shows from Haven Studios instead of from Hollywood or from Television City or what have you. And the new studio for Price is Right is significantly smaller than the studio at Television City, which, while it's more intimate, and I'm talking about the seating, how it was pre-COVID, where you had about 320 people there. Now I think it's down to about half that, to about 160 to 175. So if you go see the Price is Right in Glendale, your likelihood of getting picked just about doubled. But it looks beautiful on TV, and they made a good move. I know people are going to probably bash me saying, hey, they've been in Television City forever. Yeah, but they want to do renovations, and things happen. Things change. Got to get used to change. One big story that really has been throughout the year, this takes us to March 14th approximately, is the issues with Bally Sports. Because Bally Sports, in many markets, has next to no money, if not any money, period. And there actually have been plans for a number of markets to have Major League Baseball buy the rights. Just because, unfortunately, the rights would cost so much money uh, for it to air locally. I'm specifically talking about Cleveland because they're one of the markets that's being affected. The number that uh, it costs to air the Guardians games is something in the range of 35 to $40 million. And I believe that doesn't even include production costs. The camera people, the sending of uh, the people who do the game across the country. Yeah, it's pricey. It's probably outpricing any local market. It just happens to be the nature of the beast. But we'll see what happens with that. Bally's probably is not going to be around much longer in the sports market, for better or for worse. Well, it was bleeding money as it was starting because Diamond Sports Group was partly owned by Sinclair, who know how to push message but doesn't know how to manage money. I think we know my feelings and also Greg's feelings about Sinclair. You know, my feelings too. The only Sinclair I like is Earl Sinclair. And Robbie when he's not on the Thornoids. And Baby. Are we forgetting Baby? Well, the whole family is really good in my opinion. Oh, and speaking of that, NECA released figurines of uh, Earl Sinclair and Baby Sinclair, and I want them badly. Going to April 20th, we talked about how the CW got into the world of live sports by getting the rights to live golf. Did you know that Ion, the former PAX TV, also got into the live sports biz in 2023. They got the rights to air some WNBA games. Yeah, it's not a big league. Even Live Golf, as much as we despise it, it's got its name out there. WNBA, it gets dogged on a lot. And I mean, it's been around 27 seasons now, I think. 26 seasons. And it just hasn't caught on here. Overseas, they love their women's basketball, but I got to say, good on them. Yes, they got a contract uh, to air games on ION, which is maybe glorified cable, if you will, 
but at least it's something. It gets some sort of exposure that they had a little bit. I mean, I know ABC aired uh, WNBA games and ESPN aired some WNBA games, but good on uh, Ion for stepping up to the plate, especially since women's sports are getting bigger and bigger. Look at soccer, for example. On April 24th, and we're going to make this one really quick, Fox News parts ways with Tucker Carlson. Hooray. Moving on to the next story. And actually, on the same day, if you remember, CNN parted ways with Don Lemon. Good thing Keesla's not here because she'd probably start crying. She's a David Muir lady now. Oh, she's turned her back on Don Lemon. But David Muir, he hosts World News Tonight. So, you know, in some sort of way, she's sort of paying respect to Frank Reynolds. That's true. I didn't even think of that. May 2nd, I think this is the big story of the year. I think you know what we're going to talk about. The Writers Guild of America, they started a strike, and it shut down just about everything. Now, that's the writer's strike. We're going to talk about the actor's strike in a little bit. And that's the reason why, if you watch TV nowadays, number one, that's why you've got shows like Raid the Cage, and you've got Prices Right in primetime, and you've got Let's Make a Deal in primetime, and you have ABC going heavy on the games. They've got to fill their network time, their primetime schedule somehow. Could have been reruns. I know there's some shows that I would like to have seen that I haven't seen. I got to catch up on Abbott Elementary, to be honest. I love that show. It's so realistic compared to how my life is. May 30th, we actually had the first casualty of the Diamond Sports Group, the Bally's that we talked about earlier. A week after failing to make a rights payment before the end of uh, a fee grace period, the Diamond Sports Group informed the San Diego Padres that it will no longer provide financing to Bally Sports San Diego that would enable the regional sports network to continue paying fees to the team. So that was the first domino was the Padres. And ultimately what happened is that production for the Padres regional telecasts, starting with the following game, May 31st, they're aired on alternate channels on Cox, Spectrum, Uverse, DirecTV, and Fubo within San Diego, along with, for the first time ever, a blackout-free direct-to-consumer option via MLB TV or MLB.TV. Yay! And the announcers for the game, they did not get affected at all because they're employed by the Padres directly. So Don Orsillo, Mark Grant, and Bob Scanlon, they kept their jobs. And today I found out that Bob Scanlon was doing announcing for the Padres, which is cool. He was a good uh, middle reliever back in the day. On June 7th, this person, you may not know him by name, but we will talk about who he is and how his position or uh, what he does has been changed. Jay Johnston, an actor was arrested by the FBI for his involvement in the January 6th, 2021 attack on the U S Capitol. You may not know the name, but you know the character he played on Bob's burgers because he played Bob Belcher's nemesis across the street, Jimmy Pesto. And because of that, we have a different voice for Jimmy Pesto this season. Not that anybody's complaining. Well, I have something to say. 
if you see the pictures of Jimmy Pesto, because I'm not going to refer to him by his real name. I'm just going to refer to him as Jimmy Pesto. If you see the photos of Jimmy Pesto with the Capitol, oh, he is one ugly-looking mofo. And he doesn't make good decisions, obviously. No, he's a stupid person. A very, very stupid person. He gave away a really good thing because Bob's Burgers is in its 13th season. So he gave up a pretty good gig because, well, he's a dumbass. Yeah. You know who's playing Jimmy Pesto now? I've heard the voice, but I don't know who gives him the voice. Eric Bowser. Wait, the host of Match Game Hollywood Squares gives Jimmy Pesto voice now? Bowser? Eric Bowser. I hear you. You have that Boston accent. Bowser? Bowser. He thinks I got a Boston accent. Man. Bowser. He played Bingo in the 2019 Banana Splits movie. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of us saw that. Everybody saw the 2019 Banana Splits movie. That's what all the kids are talking about. They all talk about, hey, remember that 2019 Banana Splits movie? Yeah, that was amazing. I didn't know until earlier this week there was a 2019 Banana Splits movie. What? I didn't. I, I Well, obviously, uh, if you've known me for a while, I don't go to movies. I haven't been to a movie theater since 2005. I did not know there was a Banana Splits movie in 2019. It was a straight-to-Blu-ray Banana Splits. Well, that's probably why I missed it, because it didn't end up in a theater. Great, now I'm going to have to find that. Yep. He's also the voice of Woody Woodpecker on the 2018 version of the Woody Woodpecker show. Now, I didn't know there was a 2018 version <laughs> of Woody Woodpecker. Now, I didn't know this either. Was it something made for Cartoon Network? No, it was made for Netflix, I believe. Oh, that explains it. Another thing that I'm not subscribed to. Okay. We're going on to June 12th. That was the day that Pat Sajic announced on social media that he's going to retire as host of Wheel of Fortune. And as we mentioned earlier, we're going to have Ryan Seacrest hosting starting in September of 2024. The 21st of June, we actually had another, I don't want to say retirement, we'll say quitting, uh, of a big name. In the form of Geraldo Rivera quit Fox News talk show The Five. Okay, it's not a big TV show. I've never even heard of the five, but Geraldo Rivera, he is. Uh, I'm going to call him a legend just because he's been doing this for close to 50 years. Uh, and actually, believe it or not, he lives maybe about 10 miles away from me. He actually lives about 10 miles away from me because uh, for a while, maybe up until about uh, 2021, 2022. He actually had an hour-long morning show on WTM here in Cleveland that I believe he recorded out of his house. You know what I hope someone gave him for as a retirement gift? Surprise me. A chair thrown right at his face. <laughs> oh my gosh. I knew you were going to make a joke about that. I just didn't know where you are going to be going. And actually, that reminds me of a joke my sister used to make, and... It was the funniest damn thing. So if you remember the picture of Geraldo Rivera's face all bandaged up and whatnot, he had like a bunch of bandages on his nose because I think his nose is broken. So my sister actually, 
I don't know why she did this, but this is absolutely hilarious. At least, you know, when talking about like a 13 year old or 12 year old girl doing this, anytime she got onion rings, she'd put an onion ring on her nose and say, Hey, look at me. I'm Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> and I'm like, you are so stupid, but you're absolutely friggin' hilarious. That is spot on with that because Geraldo Rivera had all these bandages around his nose and she put an onion ring in her nose and said, I'm Geraldo Rivera. And then at the dinner table, she had the smoothie. She go, Ben, Ben. No, no, no. That was down in Cincinnati when uh, I was visiting colleges. Uh, that, that's when she did the Yuri Geller bending spoon thing and dad got pissed at her and saying you're gonna get us kicked out <laughs> no no this is something she just did like anytime we got onion rings in the late 80s early 90s hey i'm Geraldo Rivera. It's like you idiot stop it <laughs> and sorry <laughs> on july 2nd something happened that impacted a lot of markets it impacted my market, and it may have impacted Chico's market, and it may have impacted Greg's market. What I'm referring to is the removal of 159 Nexstar Media Group-owned stations. Here in Cleveland, I did not get any Fox programming until I believe it was mid-September. I think it was the second week of the football season. Chico, I think you said that it affected you, too. Nexstar owns the local CBS station. And you didn't have access to that station for a couple of months, I'm guessing? Yeah. Greg, did it affect you by chance? So Nexstar now owns WPIX, and I don't know if I was paying attention to Channel 11 that time, so I'm going to guess no. I don't recall hearing anything about it. Moving to the 15th of July, this is the other big date this year that really affected television industry. You have the SAG after strike starting. So that means now, at this point, you have the writers on strike and you have the actors on strike. Hollywood, at least on the television side, has essentially shut down. And movies, too, because when we're talking about writing and acting, yes, it does go to movies as well but now hollywood is totally on strike everybody except the big wigs who own the networks and the production studios and whatnot and of course we know that uh, that ended in november and we're going to have new shows uh, i believe some of them are going to start after the super bowl because i know i've seen ads for like cbs shows specifically ghosts coming after the super bowl in 2024 so if you hang in there for just about another month or so, you're going to have new programming. New scripted programming, I should say. And due to both strikes, the Writers Guild strike and the SAG after strike, the Emmy Awards actually got pushed from September 18th to January 15th of 2024. So if you want to see the Emmy Awards for the 2022-2023 season, they're going to come to you in about uh, two, two and a half weeks. And the Creative Emmy Awards also got moved. They're happening the weekend of January 6th to the 7th of 2024. 
And this is the first time that an Emmy ceremony has been postponed since 2001 because of the September 11th attacks and the start of the Afghan war. A television change that happened this year due to those strikes, for the first time in almost 20 years, ABC is airing Monday Night Football. They have to fill the time somehow, and you can only air so much of uh, Dancing with the Stars and The Bachelor and The Golden Bachelor and whatever other types of bachelors they have out there nowadays. On the 21st of September, Rupert Murdoch announced that he's stepping down as chairman of Fox Corp and News Corp, and his son Lachlan is uh, going to take over. I won't say it's time, but it's really time, because what is Rupert Murdoch? 93, 94? He's definitely in his 90s. He old. 92. I was a year off. He'll be 93 in March. But now he can sit back and count his money that... Maybe I should use the word blood money again. Eh, it's maybe not blood money, but... Wait, hold on. Are we sure he even still has any money from that Dominion lawsuit? Ooh. Good point. I got a question. Does it say anywhere on that calendar thing on wiki about becky lynch on celebrity jeopardy it does not say anything about becky lynch on celebrity uh, jeopardy but hey you know we might as well add it there i don't know what date it happened it happened in the last month or so so must have happened around thanksgiving maybe even a little bit later but becky lynch became the first person in jeopardy history talking about any type of jeopardy the original the 78 revival current version the different spin-offs of jeopardy she became the first person in jeopardy history to not get a single correct answer throughout the course of a show and since this is celebrity jeopardy there were 90 clues in play 91 because she would have played in final jeopardy since they spot people who are in the negative like a thousand dollars for funsies 91 clues she did not get a single clue right well, I can explain this. She's Irish. <laughs> because Irish people apparently don't know how to play Jeopardy? I don't know. Is this an appropriate moment to mention that Stephen Fry is hosting the UK version of Jeopardy now? Sure, you can say that. And it looks absolutely beautiful from what I've seen. Can't wait for that. Another corporation that owns a lot of television stations removed from uh, the direct TV service and UVerse and whatnot, uh, their television stations on November 30th, 66 stations uh, in 52 markets owned by Tegna were removed. And we're affected here in Cleveland because WKYC is a Tegna station and they haven't been on my service for about, as of the time we're recording, close to about two weeks they just have some generic, well, if you want to get this station, you can go here or here or here or you know, put your money here. It's multimillionaires who are trying to fleece us people, the common man. And then also, I think uh, we would be remiss. We're going to mention this in the obituaries, but uh, December 6th, all five major networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, CW, started their primetime evening schedules by simulcasting an in-memoriam tribute card to Norman Lear, who died the previous day. I think it's fitting. He was an amazing person. 
created some amazing TV shows, really gave us a lasting legacy that will be around forever. And believe it or not, in the week before he passed away, he was still working on TV shows. He supposedly wanted to bring back Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. I think it was turned down by TBS when their shift went from comedy to elsewhere, wherever it's gone over the last five years. But Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman was, was supposed to be a TBS show. And now TBS said, nope, we're going in a different direction. He was retooling that. So that may be something to look out for maybe in 2024, maybe 2025, but there may be a new version of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman coming down the line just about in time for this 50th anniversary of the original version. Cause that started in 76 on December 15th. Maya Bialik announced on social media that she had been fired from Jeopardy. So now Ken Jennings is the sole host and I'm guessing that means in future installments of Celebrity Jeopardy and other primetime endeavors, it's the Ken show. Probably didn't help Mayim's cause that she didn't cross the picket line. I mean, I don't blame her for not crossing the picket line, but that probably led to her downfall, to be totally honest. So we had some shows that debuted in the course of 2023. Some good, some eh. We'll start off with, on January 17th, the revival of my favorite comedy show of all time. And if you have listened to the podcast for any length of time, you know I absolutely love Night Court. You have the new version of Night Court. It's a little bit different than the old version, specifically the characters, because obviously uh, a number of people are not with us any longer. Marky Post and Harry Anderson and Charles Robinson. And sadly, just within the last uh, month or two, Richard Mull. But you have John Larroquette. He's not as feisty, if you will, as he was on the original version. But he does a great job sort of connecting the past to the present. And then Magnum P.I., yes, it's been around for a number of years on CBS. But on February 19th, it ended up on NBC. Not often you see that nowadays where a network cancels a show and then another network swoops it up almost immediately because I well, believe Magnum PI was still on CBS until the end of the 2021-22 season. Yes, and I think it can be explained by Magnum PI is owned by NBC Universal. Another show that got revived with a new season in a new place is Futurama. It had been on Fox for three, four seasons back in the late nineties, early two thousands. Then comedy central revived it around 2011, 2012 for a couple of seasons. And now it's on Hulu, another show. And this probably hasn't had an original episode in close to 10 years, but it got revived this year. And I'm glad because I love this show. Kitchen Nightmares. Don't tell me you don't love Kitchen Nightmares. I do love Kitchen Nightmares. Kitchen Nightmares crawled so that Bar Rescue could walk. I'll agree with you on that. And <laughs> really, now that I think about it, yeah, your, your John Taffer does come across as very Gordon Ramsay-like. 
and there are some classic episodes of Kitchen Nightmares. If you can find Amy's Baking Company. Oh, God. Oh, there you go. Chico knows about oh, Amy's God. Baking Company. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Is that not the best episode or a couple episodes? Because I think it was either a two-parter <laughs> or a three-parter. And it was a two-parter. And you want to talk about drama? Oh, my God. Drama, drama, drama. If you can find it. Then uh, another reboot that happened. On October 12th, Frasier returned. Hadn't had a new episode in almost 20 years. It went from NBC to Paramount Plus. And actually, I do believe I've seen episodes of the new Frasier end up on, I'm going to assume CBS because, you know, putting on NBC wouldn't make much sense because they're Peacock and, and Paramount Plus would be Viacom and CBS and all that. And wait, Aqua Teen Hunger Force has new episodes? Aqua Teen Hunger Force has new episodes. November 26th. Okay, I need to set my VCR for that. Hopefully it isn't as bad as the last uh, two, three, four seasons of the original version where they changed the name every year and sort of really went off the rails. Wait, you still have a VCR mic in 2023? DVR. Oops. D- D- DVR is just the digital VCR. Whatever. You knew what I meant. Yes, we did. And now we're going to get to some shows that ended in 2023. This will be quick. There's not a lot of really big names on here, in my opinion. January 18th, you have the last episode of Home Economics. I saw that a few times on ABC. I like that. And really, not going to lie, I was just so happy that Sashir Zamata had a job. Am I the only one who likes Sashir Zamata on uh, SNL or Zameda? Zameda. But am I the only person who liked her on SNL? No. I just thought she was overshadowed by Leslie Jones is all. Fair point. And then, oh, I didn't know this. On February 17th, the Animaniacs reboot on Hulu ended? Yeah. Oh. They had a three-season deal, but they cut the third season down from 13 episodes to, like, 10. And then a week later, February 24th, one of our favorites the last couple of years got canceled. Young Rock. Yeah. I gotta admit, I think putting up against SmackDown on Friday nights did not help. I think just moving it to Friday nights didn't help because we know that Friday nights is generally a dead zone. I know that, but I mean, you have it up against wrestling when the show's a wrestling show. I get that. I totally get that. March 31st, was the date of the cancellation of another show that was beloved around here. Doogie Kamealoha, MD. That was one of many shows that got robbed by Disney+. Plus. I mean, we didn't even talk about Willow yet. The Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, and The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Okay, I skipped over Willow. It was canceled on January 11th. It was like a red wedding at Disney Plus this year for some reason. I don't see that many shows that Disney Plus got rid of. That was like the main show that uh, that Disney Plus got rid of uh, outside of High School Musical, the musical, the series. April 24th, HBO canceled the new Perry Mason. Well, not the new Perry Mason. That's a totally different show. But they canceled the Perry Mason reboot. I thought that was supposed to be something big. You want to talk about something big? You skipped over April 20th, my friends. That was the last episode of Star Trek Picard. Well, again, 
in the grand scheme of things in my mind, where does Star Trek fall? Near the dead bottom. last. But, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say dead last. I was going to say near the bottom. But yeah, you know where my mindset is regarding sci-fi shows minus Doctor Who. And then we mentioned earlier on April 27th, the Late Late Show with James Corden ended. And to a lesser extent, the Late Late Show franchise, going back from 1995 with Tom Snyder, because it's being replaced with After Midnight, starting next year. I cannot wait for that. Even though I'll never be able to watch it live and participate, I cannot wait for that. At Midnight was amazing. And I say that having actually seen a show live in Hollywood, it was just absolutely amazing how much humor there was in about a 90-minute span and how they edited that 90 minutes down to 22 or whatever. They left so much good stuff on the cutting room floor, sadly. But you got 22 minutes. You got to fit 90 quality minutes into 22 I will say they'll never top the episode with Iron Sheik. <laughs> August 16th, ABC canceled, and this is sad because this was a decent reboot. The Wonder Years. That was a victim of the dual strikes right there. A lot of things that we're going to see are victims of the strikes. Well, not really, because earlier that May, the Goldbergs and a million little things both came to what I like to say, a natural end. Going back a little bit in time, the Goldbergs ended on May 3rd, and that ran for a decade. One of the really good shows out there, sort of, I don't want to say under the radar, but it was a very fun show. But don't watch it near the end when you have to see the CGI Jeff Garland. And that same night, A Million Little Things ended. You know how every episode seems to be an emotionally jarring experience? This was a complete emotional collapse for me. May 25th, two shows ended. Well, one was canceled, the other was formally ended. Both syndicated shows, both ran for well over 20 years. Judge Mathis was canceled. I can't believe Judge Mathis was canceled. He was maybe the most wholesome of the judge shows that were still on TV. And also, for better or for worse, Dr. Phil ended. May 26th, the very next day, marked the end of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. May 28th, we had two HBO shows ending. And both are beloved around here. And we actually spent, I believe, an episode, not a whole week, dedicated to one of these shows succession ended as did our favorite barry yes uh you know how sad i am no more noho hank on my television going forward to july 11th another cancellation this time on hulu another one of our favorites as of late how i met your father all right chico go ahead say it hillary duff and Kim Cattrall and the rest of the cast got a raw deal on that. I mean, there was still so much more story to tell. There's still so much more connections to How I Met Your Mother that needed to happen. We got an un 
finished story. That show wrote a check that those motherfathers on Hulu refused to cash. I also think it was a victim of the strike. Another long-running syndicated show that came to an end, canceled on July 21st, The People's Court. And the current version of The People's Court that just ended this year had been in syndication for, I believe, 25 seasons. Because remember, it started off with Ed Koch as the judge. Then you had uh, Jerry Scheinlin, Judge Judy's husband. And then for like the last, gosh, probably 20 years, you've had uh, Marilyn Millian. Isn't Judge Marilyn going to have like her own show coming up soon? Just like every TV judge, they'll probably get some sort of show through Byron Allen. Well, no, I'm not kidding because look at Judge Mathis. He's got a Byron Allen show and... And the first judge from uh, divorce court, uh, Judge Ephraim, she's got a court show with Byron Allen. And uh, Glenda Hatchett has a judge show with Byron Allen. And uh, uh, the, the woman from paternity court, she's got her own show with Byron Allen. So it seems like when judges get canceled, they sort of find a second life doing a Byron Allen judge show. All these people getting revivals but no Judge Gino in personal injury court. Where's the justice? We need a revival about the sex swing. We got to hear about Big D again. And more of this legal sauce. <laughs> oh, <Let's> yeah. <laughs> well, hold it now. Hey, it's now legal sauce post-COVID. I want to know what happened to the legal sauce after COVID because that was pre-COVID legal sauce. Uh, Post-COVID legal sauce is going to be so spicy. Apparently, we're mixing legal sauce with uh, hot ones. I'd watch that. July 27th, iCarly got canceled off of Paramount+. Plus. On a cliffhanger, it was like, Carly and Freddie decided to get married. And then the last words out of Carly Shay's mouth, Mom? And that was the show. That sucks ending on a cliffhanger. Another long-time syndicated show ended on July 28th in the form of Rachel Ray. I thought I saw that her show was still airing in syndication. Maybe it's just like Dr. Phil and Judge Judy. They've got so many shows and they're still so popular. We can show the shows as long as we don't make references to when the show aired. They all look the same. They have the same general theme. We could rerun it till the tapes burn out. Well, I know it's digital, but you get the Fear the Walking Dead ended on November 19th. Yes, it wasn't as big as the original version, but still a big loss. I guess AMC had to cancel something so they could show back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back holiday movies. I'm sorry. I just was watching AMC a couple days ago, and they showed Elf like three times in one day. I get it's a decent movie, but, you know. But, hey, I did get to see Ted Friend play the NY1 news anchor. I didn't know that Ted Friend's role in Elf was so big because, like, the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie was all about the news broadcast about Will Ferrell's character being in Central Park. Yeah. I told you it was a big thing. I was like, oh, wow, he's the NY1 anchor in Elf. I thought that was just a reaction. I didn't know that was, like, Sort of like emphasizing his role in the movie. Yeah. And 
coming up, we're, we're recording this before this happens, and I'm actually interested in seeing this. Archer's coming to an end on December 17th. It makes sense to a point, I think, because you did lose Jessica Walter, and she was a vital character on that show. And also on the 19th, two days later, Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel is ending. Yeah, that was on for like a long time, Real Sports with Bryant 1995. Gumbel. I didn't know that was on for almost 30 years. Wow. I didn't know that either. So those are the shows that ended in 2023. That will do it for part one of our 2023 year in review. I know we've missed a few shows in that last segment, and I know we didn't cover everything in the world of television in the first segment. We didn't want the show to be four hours long between this part and the second part. Episode 440, the 2023 Year in Review, Part 2. In Part 1, we covered the events that shaped the television world in 2023 and some of the shows that ended in the year 2023. In this part, we're going to take a look at what we believe are some of the best and some of the worst shows of the calendar year, 2023. And also, we're going to look back at those who passed away in 2023. Let's finally get to our favorite segment, starting with the worst of 2023. These are the absolute, absolute crap. This is the stuff we hated the most in 2023. These are the personalities we despise, the events we despise in 2023. So let's get started. Now, Chico, you're going to handle this first one because this made me so enraged at the beginning of the year. This made me so enraged. Remember, the beginning of the year, we were watching Monday Night Football. All of a sudden, it was Bills, Bengals. Damar Hamlin goes down. Later, it was revealed, cardiac arrest. And this is one of those moments where I have to say, you know what? Just let the event be. Not everybody needs a take. Not everybody needs to say something about something. Skip Bayless did not get the memo because, of course, you can say this guy is blue and Skip Bayless will argue to the death that it is somehow purple. He posted the following on his ex-formerly known as Twitter. That's another subject for another time. But anyway, he posted, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. I'm going to give you a moment to process 
what's going on in that fool's head? His first concern is not a person is dying. His first concern is, how is this going to affect the playoff schedule? That is his number one concern, not the person who is dying. Okay, I'm going to really play devil's advocate here. And I know what your answer is going to be. And I don't blame you for saying what your answer is going to be. Is he somehow playing some sort of shtick, sort of like Tucker Carlson, where he's not really like overly conservative. He's playing this character. Do you think he's playing a character and he's not possibly that stupid? I know what you're going to say, but I'm just putting it out there. No, I really believe he is this stupid. Nobody could be this dumb on purpose. Okay, like I said, I concur with you. I knew exactly what you're going to say, but I'm just trying to find some logical answer as to why somebody would say something so absolutely mind-numbingly stupid. This is who Skip Bayless is. You know that. I know that. Greg knows that. And deep in his heart of hearts, I think Skip Bayless knows that, and he's through giving a damn about it. Although... Like I said before, there are just some things you do not need to have a take about. No. Not when somebody's life is on the line. No. Enough about that. Let's talk about a really horrible person that did a bad thing this year. Because Justin Rowland got fired from Rick and Morty. And Solar Opposites. Because they got Dan Stevens who I remember as the Beast in Beauty and the Beast from 2017, he is the voice of Corvo now. And he is going to be the voice of Corvo in the flashbacks as well. But let's be honest here. Justin Rowland, we all know he did some really bad things. And, well, it's not shocking knowing Justin Rowland. By the way, for the record, the... TV charges were later dropped, but the damage was already done. By the way, uh, they got Ian Cardoni and Harry Belden to voice Rick and Morty, respectively. Ian Cardoni is known as a history buff, a Sox fan, a foodie, and an avid fantasy and sci-fi fan. So, uh, good for him, I guess? Whereas Harry Belden is known for another Adult Swim production, Joe Para Talks With You. What the hell is that? It's one of those avant-garde sort of weekly uh, art house film dealies where Joe Para plays a guy who talks with the audience. Okay. Remember, it's Adult Swim and they get very avant-garde. Ah, it's not avant-garde. I'd say surreal a lot of their live action shows are just sorry downright stupid and yeah i've never seen that i've never seen uh much of the uh stuff like the the tim and and uh and what's his name tim and uh, eric whoever yeah some of that comedy is, is or quote-unquote comedy i should say it's just ridiculously stupid in my opinion so you can call it avant-garde i call it like surrealist bs but hey, since we're talking about Adult Swim, you want to talk about another person 
who uh, is a total butthole who uh, basically ruined their career in 2023. Yeah. Let's talk about one Jay Johnston. Jay Johnston, he's had a lengthy career, primarily doing uh, comedy. And take a look at his CV on Wikipedia. Uh, since we just talked about Adult Swim, he did shows including Moral Oral, Mary Shelley's Frankenhole, a lot of Comedy Central shows, uh, a lot of just comedies in general. Sever Silverman program, Reno 911, Parks and Rec, Community. But one show that he's been on for well over a decade is Bob's Burgers. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Well, I'm just, again, for the sake of completeness as to the total buttholes of 2023, I think we need to include him in this. Yes, I didn't expect to talk about him, but yes. He was one of those guys that used to appear on Adult Swim because, unfortunately for Mr. Johnston, he took part in January 6, 2021 events at the Capitol. And because of that, he gone. And we've talked about this. We talked about how his character, Jimmy Pesto, is now voiced by Eric Bowser, not John Bauman, Eric Bowser, not Bowser, Bowser. Bowser, Bowser. We uh, made uh, some references or jokes to to him uh, in the past. But yeah, he had a really good gig playing a pretty pivotal character on Bob's Burgers, which is what, in its 13th or 14th season now? And he decided to go to the Capitol and... Yeah, that doesn't fly over so well. So he's out of a job and he's probably blacklisted for life. There's one of my big idiots for 2023, if you will. Let's talk about something in the college sports world that affected not just the television landscape, but everything in college sports. When Apple TV Plus made a terrible bid for the Pac-12 rights, leading to the current realignment in college sports. Which is still going on, by the way. As we record this, Florida State is suing the ACC to get out of its contract and out of the league altogether. And if they uh-huh. succeed, Clemson and UNC are next. Yeah, Florida State's just mad that they didn't get uh, into the uh, BCS playoffs. Hey, you have an undefeated team and you did not get into the BCS, you'd be pissed off too. Excuse me, what what year is this? They haven't had a BCS in a decade. Sorry, the college football playoff. Sorry. Okay, whatever they're calling the football playoff this week. But still, the point is, yeah, they're just being really pouty about it. And, and you know, I'm going to play devil's advocate again. What if you have five teams that go undefeated? You can only take four. I mean, I know they're talking about expanding the playoffs and whatnot, but let's just say you have more undefeated teams than positions. Somebody's going to get screwed. I'll just be mm-hmm. honest. I'd rather take Florida State than a one-loss Alabama. I don't know, and I don't care. But let's be honest. It was hilarious seeing all the Pac-12 teams leave. As we've said in the past, next year... It's going to be Washington State and Oregon State in the Pac-2 championship. 
And you can go to pack2champs.com and get your Washington State Pack 2 Champs t-shirt. No joke on that. Okay. Chico. Velma. That's the joke. Mindy Kaling has done some incredible things. The Office. Never Have I Ever was really good. The Mindy Project was awesome. And then there's Velma, which started off as a good idea, but the execution was just not there. It's like you have all these talented people, and they're doing this, and it doesn't look that good. At the beginning, you get all of these reviews that are mixed to negative, and everybody was thinking, oh, you're just back on the show because of its diverse cast, and it's not white bread like you wanted it to. And then they watched the show, and all of a sudden, it's, okay, you know what? Maybe you have a point. The consensus on Rotten Tomatoes, Jinkies, this radical reworking of the beloved mystery team has plenty of attitude and style, but it doesn't have the first clue for how to turn its clever subversion into engaging fun. Just to show you the spectrum of reviews that this show got, Saloni Gajar of the AP Club says, This isn't the Velma we're used to, but it's the Velma we deserve to enjoy today. Darren Frannick of Entertainment Weekly says, It's a self-aware slog and so extra, it's minus. If you really want to make a self-aware parody of the Scooby-Doo franchise, go back and watch 1988's A Pup Named Scooby-Doo. Just saying. Let's go and talk about one of our favorite things to bitch about. Super Bowl advertisements. Because every ad this year for the Super Bowl was awful. And spoiler, in February, we're going to be talking about one of those horrible advertisements. But I have to say, the ad with the QR NFT thing. You remember what I'm talking you know what I'm talking about, Chico? I do. The one that looked like a screensaver almost? No, it was like a freaking treasure chest, and it's like, scan oh, this QR code. Oh, that one. I was thinking of one from a couple of years ago, but yeah, it's a treasure chest that opens up, and there's a QR code, and it's there for like seven years. Or it seemed like it was seven years. And that's all the commercial is, because here we are in 2023, all of the, uh, it's like the, the, the dot-com boom old and busted the crypto boom new hotness and let's be honest that thing's going bust too let's talk about the biggest story that everybody bitched about because you know until elmo rebranded twitter as that stupid name this was the rebranding everyone was like what the f Warner did you Brothers- say elmo rebranding twitter Yes, that's what the nickname everyone calls him, as mocking him, Elmo. I've never heard that. Warner Brothers Discovery rebranded HBO Max as just Max. Now, this is an interesting case, because if you remember, they dropped the HBO because Warner Brothers Discovery did research and found out that the HBO brand was basically associated with with shows like Game of Thrones and Rome and Eastbound and Down and Westworld and basically anything involving strong language, strong nudity, 
and uh, strong violence. They wanted to get away from that because remember, they're also airing Sesame Street and now the Discovery Back catalog. They wanted to get away from all of that. They wanted to be a streamer that's accessible to everyone. Then call it Warner Max. Don't call it Max. I will say that one of my favorite shows to stream on Max, and I forgot to put it on the favorite shows, but My Adventures with Superman, that was pretty good. Another Adult Swim show. Now our next story. Fox News had to pay up to Dominion. Three quarters of a billion dollars. You know, they always said, hey, Fox News isn't a news operation. It's an entertainment operation. We don't have to, you know, do things like give factual information. We don't need to do that. That can only work for so long, as is proven with the Dominion case, where they were about to go to trial. And then all of a sudden, okay, you know what? Trial's off. Fox News agrees to a settlement. Of course, this settlement cost a few choice characters their job. But now that you say that, what did I say earlier about Tucker Carlson? I said he is basically playing a character. He does not have those beliefs. And you just said, essentially, that Fox News is entertainment, for lack of a better word, not a true hard-hitting news department. So it's not really surprising. And I'll say it right now. If you're entertained about the sort of show that airs on Fox News... You have a condition, and you need a good talking to. Same with CNN, apparently, because they're chasing that dollar, too. And, oh, Greg, bring this up, why don't you? Chris Light, the head of CNN, who came in to replace Jeff Zucker, you know, after that stellar human being did a terrible thing last year, he came into CNN and just did not do a good job with the network, which goes to show... Don't hire anybody from Stephen Colbert to run your network. I watch CNN, like, occasionally, and I'm like, this is not good at all. Like, I don't know who they're trying to chase in 2023. It's like, well, we want to try to be more conservative to get Fox viewers, but it's like, Fox viewers are never going to watch you because you're CNN. So why are you continuing to chase this audience that's never going to watch you? Speaking of things that make no sense, remember when ESPN was the worldwide leader and had a stellar, solid core of reporters, investigators, and talking heads? 20 of them got fired this past year. Well, how many were money-related and how many were just basically talent-related? Because a lot of it was money because ESPN and, well, essentially Disney and ABC and whatnot was hemorrhaging money. So it's not like they're necessarily bad talents, but at the same time, they keep dead weight like Stephen A. Smith around. And Pat Sportsbro. Pat McAfee brings nothing to ESPN. He brings absolutely nothing. If he's fine as a YouTube brand, that's fine. But he brings absolutely nothing. He kills college game day completely. Wasn't he one of those big things up until, let's say, 
the last six to nine months because yeah. remember everybody was like gaga about uh what uh pat mcafee had to say and now everybody's sort of like turned down a dime and also i don't think it helps that he's paying aaron Rodgers to spread his uh you know oh that will do it and interestingly enough here we are at week 16 and aaron Rodgers is off the ir he's been activated but the jets have said you know what he is not going to play another game this season and it's okay because you know they've been eliminated but he is going to take a roster spot from a player and who does he tell all this stuff to his best friend in the whole wide world pat mcafee and to bring it back to something i talked about at the beginning of this segment Skip Bayless basically said that this was a whole PR grift from day one, to which I said, you know what, file that under broken clock. One of the ongoing things from last year was HBO Max removing content, and well, it turned out in 2023, it wasn't just HBO Max, because now Paramount Plus and Disney Plus are getting in on that, let's remove crap from our streaming service bandwagon. Some of the stuff that was removed from Disney Plus shows that I really enjoyed Willow, Big Shot. And then on Paramount Plus, you got rid of Inside Amy Schumer. Again, you're never going to hear me say a bad thing about Amy Schumer. And also iCarly. That still had story to tell. I'm still bitter about that. And they ended it on a cliffhanger too, which is... I think we might have talked about in the earlier segment. All right, so let's now get into, well, the XFL, because they relaunched in 2023 for the third incarnation. And, dear God, some of the problems they had this season were just terrible. Like, the case of the Vegas Vipers, who played at Cashman Field. Now, Mike... Can you go on about Cashman Field, about how terrible it is for football? I'm glad you put those last two words in there. Because for a baseball park, it is absolutely gorgeous. The views are amazing. It's very compact in terms of a a AAA team. It's great for baseball, but I think we know from other examples, I'm taking a look at Oakland, for example, Baseball parks do not work when they try to double as football parks. Just look at what uh, happened at Wrigley Field. Whenever they did that Big Ten game, I think usually like Northwestern sometimes does home games there. Wrigley Field is not meant to be a football park. Cashman Field, we could say the same thing. Okay, I'm going to put in the screen share what Cashman Field looked like for the XFL. Okay, here it is. Yep, that was my seat from what I saw uh, Vegas 51's game a few years ago. But again, if you look at it, it doesn't work. Well, also, Cashman Field has absolutely no seats in the outfield. And that happens to be where one of the end zones is. It just is not a good look. It doesn't even look like it's to scale. I mean, it's like the yards, they're supposed to be 10 yards apart, right? It looks like six. No, it legit looks like your 120-yard field. But you need to remember that 
one, yeah, you know, how far is it from, let's say, not home plate, but from behind home plate where, you know, spectators may be to the outfield wall? That may be, let's say, 430, 440 feet. It's just crammed in there. Look how much room there is on either side behind the end zones. There's no room. Well, that's what I'm getting at. If you look uh, where uh, the, to the left-hand side of uh, what Greg's showing us, there might be, what would you say, four yards, five yards? So you're talking maybe 12 to 15 feet. And if you look in the back by where the uh, goalpost is in the outfield, there's like no room there. I don't even see a net there. What happens if the ball goes through the goalpost? Does somebody actually need to be outside over the outfield fence to uh, to gather the ball? This doesn't work. Again, beautiful ballpark. It just does not work for football. But also I want to mention the St. Louis Battlehawks. They got screwed because they were 7-3. and three. And they missed out on the playoffs while Arlington, who is the league champions, won with a four and six record because they took the top two teams from each division. Now you know why this league's gonna be merging with the USFL soon. So our next thing is the Baltimore Orioles suspended broadcaster Kevin Brown. This is from Sports Illustrated. Orioles play-by-play announcer Kevin Brown will return to the booth on Friday night when Baltimore takes on Seattle. According to multiple reports, Brown was inexplicably suspended by the club from his role at Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, Masson, for his recitation of facts surrounding the club's recent struggles playing on the road at Tampa Bay. He was indefinitely removed from the booth after a July 23rd telecast against the Rays after saying in the pregame, that the Orioles had already gone 3-2 and two at Tropicana Field this year after winning only three of the 18 games in the previous three years combined. John Angelos, the owner of the Orioles, who presides over Masson, reportedly made the decision to suspend Brown but refused comment when pressed by the media about the suspension. Okay, that sounds like typical Angelos right there because he's been doing that type of stuff for, gosh, probably close to three decades now. Well, remember, he fired John Miller. Well, that's what I mean. He's been doing this for like three decades where he's been sort of a D-bag owner. And I totally understand why he would do this. Not that that makes it a good look. Because, yeah, if you're being employed by the baseball team, you don't really want to be overly hypercritical of what the baseball team does. And that's really one of the things that just makes me just sick when I listen to uh, a lot of the broadcasts. Now, thankfully, here in Cleveland for the Guardians games, Tom Hamilton is not uh, overly biased. He's not one of those uh, people that uh, kisses up to the ownership and to the team. He'll say it as it is, even if they're struggling. At the same time, I think about the Browns games, and I'm really not trying to dig into the Browns play-by-play voice on the radio who has had a cancer battle the last, uh, I'd say, four or five months. But he is like the absolute biggest homer, and I can't stand him. And, and the thing is, he's like beloved around here, but I can't stand the guy, and I haven't stood the guy in probably 15, 20 years because he's just one of those, 
pro Cleveland guys. Browns can do no wrong. Hey, the Browns, this player is going to be rookie of the year. And it's like, why the heck would this person be rookie of the year when they were drafted like in the fifth round and you had so many much better talents who were at least starting? Specifically, I'm talking about something I remember back in 2006 where he said Jerome Harrison would be rookie of the year. He's like a fifth round running back. And this is the year you had people like Reggie Bush. Uh, who else was drafted in 2006? Was that Vince Young? Yeah, that was 2006. And uh, Matt Leinart was that year. So it's like you had all of these good players and you're touting that this fifth round running back is going to be rookie of the year. Don't be such a butt kisser. Be objective. I understand remembering who pays your paycheck, but let's be friggin' real. And Leon Washington. Let's not forget Leon Washington was in that 2006 class. He would have been a better pick than Jerome Harrison. Never thought we'd get a reference to Leon Washington on this podcast. <laughs> and I have like a dozen Leon Washington signed cards. Because of course you do. You know how terrible we talk about how TV Guide's top 50 worst shows of all time is? I think Rolling Stone hired the writer from that list to do this list. The Rolling Stone top 50 worst TV decisions list. And I remember looking at this list. Like, why is like half of these choices considered the worst decisions ever? Just to give you an idea of what Rolling Stone considers a mistake. Jeopardy allows Mike Richards to anoint himself host. That was a genuine mistake. But is it one of the biggest TV mistakes ever? No. America's Next Top Model asked contestants to swap ethnicities. That was a genuine mistake. Cavemen. That's a future entry. I don't get why number 47 made the list. Disney Plus refuses to let Lizzie McGuire grow up. And what did Adam Sandler and Chris Farley do that they had to single out those two as SNL fires Adam Sandler and Chris Farley? What did Rolling Stone have as their top 10? I have it right here. Top 10. Number 10. David Caruso leaves NYPD Blue after one season. Number 9. The networks call Florida for George W. Bush in 2000. Why would you put that in a list of the top 50 biggest mistakes ever? Number 8. HBO, TNT, Showtime, and FX turned down Breaking Bad. Okay, so that may be a mistake for those particular networks, but Breaking Bad made AMC what it is today. Yeah, but how is that considered the top 10 mistake ever? I don't know. Number seven, Fox gives Chevy Chase a talk show. Number six, NBC royally up the Leno Conan situation. Okay, how that is not number one, I do not understand. Number five, Roseanne torches career with racist tweet. How is that top five? Well, also, that's not a network decision. That was literally her tanking her career because she had a big mouth. I'm looking at all of this, and I'm thinking to myself, currency bias. That's when we look at TV Guy top 50 worst shows list and what was at the top, currency bias. Number four, Norm MacDonald is fired from SNL over hilarious O.J. Simpson jokes. Yeah, but I can see why he got fired, though. Number three, 
Fox passes on The Sopranos. Again, that's an industry thing. We wouldn't know this if you didn't tell us this. Number two, NBC turns Mr. Black into a television titan. And the number one mistake, according to Rolling Stone, to be fair, this is a mistake. It is not the greatest mistake, but it's a mistake. NBC cancels Freaks and Geeks. Oh, F off. That's a show that still had a story to tell. But is that the number one worst mistake in the history of television, especially considering what number two was? You're going to rank that over number two? If this was like a video podcast, you'd have the gif of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction doing the waving his arms in the air like, what? You know how the Nickelodeon NFL game every year is like so awesome? Well, what if somebody at ESPN said, let's do the same thing, but make it absolutely awful? So you're saying it's the Nickelodeon show with blackjack and hookers? Well, that's not appropriate for kids. No, it's the Nickelodeon NFL game with army men and slinky dog. Okay, that's a lot better than blackjack and hookers. We don't want to take kids down that road just yet. Okay. I'm talking about the Toy Story game. That aired on ESPN Plus. And I had the good fortune, despite not having ESPN Plus, to watch it as it occurred on NFL Plus. And let me just say, the broadcast was so entertainingly bad. They had the players in Andy's room, which is like, Chico, can you describe what it looked like? It looked like a child's bedroom with you know, the clouds on the walls and the sun coming through the window. And there were times when it was just way too bright. There was like this uh, football rug on the floor and a whole lot of action figures as players. The technology they used to follow the ball never made any sense. There was a point where Trevor Lawrence threw a touchdown. And I thought watching it, it was an incomplete pass. But nope, it's a touchdown. Clearly, the technology to track the game was not any good at all. But I got good news, Mike. Do you know who's commenting the ESPN Plus Toy Story game? I do not. Booger. I was actually expecting you to go on some sort of rant about how the Jacksonville Jaguars are overrated. Oh, let me just say, the last couple weeks, they've shown they're overrated. Which good, because Tony Khan deserves so many horrible things. Which is why he got choked out by CM Punk and is now seeing him be back in WWE. But oh god, the Toy Story game. Let's never speak of that again. You know what was a bad idea? Crapopolis. Oh my gosh! I have stuff to say, but I'll let you start. This show got renewed for not just the second season before it aired an episode. It got renewed for a third season before it ever aired an episode. All because of the name of Dan Herman. And isn't it like revealed like this is also an NFT scam too? What? I think like some of the characters are NFTs. I think it's been reported. Yeah, this is an NFT scam, this show. Gosh, I cannot believe that. 
but also yet another reason to absolutely love, and I say that sarcastically, love NFTs. No, do not love them. They should be laughed at. This is from Coindesk.com. The show's content will be influenced by fans who own a crapopolis crap kitchen. A non-fungible token that allows holders to vote on show components, see exclusive token-gated content, participate in gamified experiences like scavenger hunts, access a Discord channel, and attend in-person events with the cast. Yeah, how's that working out for you with the entire NFT market? Boy, that was a thing like earlier this year that's absolutely nothing nowadays. And to make it worse, as if NFT backing wasn't bad enough, the show absolutely frigging sucks. I gave it a chance. It's like I mentioned with Lost. I gave Lost a chance on the first episode, but after 15 minutes, I tapped out because it's like, nope, this is more science fiction than quasi-reality in terms of people actually being lost. No, I did the same. I watched Crepopolis, gave it about 10 minutes, and I didn't laugh a single time. I turned it off and haven't looked back. It is horrible. And Fox actually renewed this for a third season before an episode aired. What did they see in it? Besides maybe legitimately the NFT possibilities. Well, let's now finally get to our final thing in this segment. Carissa Thompson makes up a bunch of shit. I have her original quote. This is her on the Pardon My Take podcast. I've said this before, so I haven't been fired for saying it, but I'll say it again. I would make up the report sometime because A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late and I didn't want to script the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up. No coach is going to get mad if I say Hey, we need to stop hurting ourselves. We need to get better on third down. They're not not going to correct me on that. So I'm like, fine, I'll just make up the report. And then 24 hours later, that clip mysteriously disappeared. And in its place, we have her being dragged on social media, and rightly so, I might add. And the, and I'm using a Gordon Pepper term here, the media apology. I have a responsibility to myself and my employers to clarify what is being reported. When on a podcast this week, I said I would make up reports early in my career when I worked as a sideline reporter before I transitioned to my current host role. Working in media, I understand how important words are, and I chose the wrong words to describe the situation. I'm sorry. I've never lied about anything or been unethical during my time as a sports broadcaster. In the absence of a coach providing any information that could further my report, I would use information. Words, 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 blah, blah, blah. Thank you for summarizing that way, Chico. I know you're laughing. People may have heard that because seriously, after about the first like paragraph, it's like, this is like word salad. You're just saying some sort of generic apology, making excuses, blah, 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 blah. And I'm glad that's how you summarized it. Thank you. It was getting way too long. And too stupid. She's making excuses for herself. Can I just say, I'm going to be totally honest here. I don't care about this one bit. <laughs> well, 
Also, Aaron Andrews has admitted to making stuff up. And I don't see anybody saying jack about her. But look at it this way. Carissa Thompson may have been caught doing a bad thing, but at least she never threatens the president on the internet. Hi, John Schneider. How you doing? Let's uh, real quick go over our favorite shows of 2023. So we got, what, The Last of Us on HBO. I watched it, and it stayed very true to the source material. It was very addictive. It was probably one of the best shows on HBO this year. And I've seen every episode of Euphoria because, duh, Sydney Sweeney's in it. Are you going to see that Sydney Sweeney rom-com? I will watch anything with Sydney Sweeney in it. Even Madam Web? Especially Madam Web. The Traitors. What's The Traitors? The Traitors is a reality show where you have a whole lot of people living in a Scottish castle. And three of the contestants are deemed traitors. It's like the mole, but with three people instead of one. And if they can stay hidden, they will split the money. And the rest of the players, the faithful, will get nothing. It's already been renewed for season two. That's going to drop in January on Peacock. I can't wait for it. And uh, I actually have a list of all the people who are going to be in season two, and most of them are real housewives and one professional boxer and a former member of the UK House of Commons. Oh, that's fantastic. So most of it's going to be the real housewives. And a couple of people from MTV's The Challenge. Oh, that's great. So you Now, have- hold on. Are they getting Johnny Bananas? They are getting Johnny Bananas. Okay, well, I'm surprised... First thing out of your mouth is, how do you know about Johnny Bananas? What is the deal with him? Just in 25 words or less. He crazy. You got 23 words to go. <laughs> about, oh gosh, must be about four or five years ago at this point. Greg knows and Chico knows and anybody who listens to the podcast with any regularity knows. I love my Alan and Ginter. I'm not joking. I pulled out an autograph card of Johnny Bananas like five, four years ago from Allen and Ginter, and I'm wondering who the H-E double hockey sticks this guy is. It says the challenge, but it's like, I've never seen the challenge. I don't care about the challenge. Yay, now I know who Johnny Banana is. Quoting the immortal Chico Alexander, he crazy. Our next favorite show is Next Level Chef, but it's not just Next Level Chef. We have in parentheses in the rundown. Just season two. Because season one, they were just trying to find out what kind of show they wanted to be. Season two is when they really amped up the crazy. I enjoyed it. That was a really good pick for a post-Super Bowl show on Fox there. Even if nobody watched it. But I gotta <laughs> say... I gotta Did say, you get it out of your system, Greg? Please! It's like if Gordon Ramsay said, I'm gonna have a cooking show set in the Finder's Keeper's house. And also, it should be known that Greg and me both legitimately didn't know this was the second season. We didn't know there was a first season. And you know we could watch season one on Tubi. Because as we all know on this podcast, Tubi will air any old crap. But also it's owned by the Fox Corporation, so that explains it. Okay, one show I really enjoyed on Apple TV Plus this year was Shrinking. 
with uh, Jason Segel and Harrison Ford. Have you watched that, Chico? I've seen a couple episodes. Um, I have to sit down and watch all of them at once if I'm going to really enjoy it. But I got to say, Harrison Ford is absolutely hilarious on this show. It's like, I did not think the funniest person on a show in 2023 would be Harrison Ford. But goddamn, he is so funny in this. He should win an Emmy. And it's amazing, like, between that and that Yellowstone spinoff that he's doing on Paramount Plus, like, he's doing, like, the best work of his career at, like, 80. And he did an Indiana Jones movie this year, so good on him. Bupkiss on Peacock, that's the, uh, it's like a series sort of based on the life of Pete Davidson. So it's like, if you know how crazy Pete Davidson is, this show kind of gives you like an idea of how crazy the fictionalized version of his life is. I always suggest you watch it. And Joe Pesci's in it. So it's the holiday season, of course, and you're probably watching Joe Pesci for Home Alone. But I got to say, Chica, one of my favorite shows in 2023 was on, of all things, Freebie. And, of course, we're talking about a show in the vein of the Joe Schmo show in Jury Duty. I really need to see that. I've heard good things about that. Oh, you need to watch it. It is so hilarious. It's basically, it's like, what if we did the Joe Schmo show, but of a trial but it is so incredibly amazing the situations that happen on this show but the one highlight of this show I have to say is James Marsden playing a fictionalized version of himself and the situations that happen on this show are I don't want to ruin any of it because you have to watch it for yourself but it is so good and dear god James Morrison, I know, is nominated for Best Supporting Actor as himself for Jury Duty. And if he does not win the Emmy for this, I'm going to be so sad because he is so amazing on this. Chico, American-born Chinese. Okay, this is based on an online graphic novel. It features a 10th grader thrust into battle with Chinese gods played by Daniel Wu and Michelle Yeoh. And one of the features on this show is a show within a show called Beyond Repair, where you have Jamie Yao playing Freddie Wong. And Jamie Yao is played by Academy Award winning actor Kehui Kwan. That's right. And his character within the show, within the show, is, according to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, a fictionalized version of himself based on his character of Short Round from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, you got me right there. But everything else is basically Dragon Ball if the hero was, you know, in high school. Next is Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Now, this is a this is a sequel to Scott Pilgrim. I know this is on Netflix. Yeah, it's a side story based on the uh, comic book. Um, This is not the sequel to the movie because, you know, the movie is all self-contained. But this takes the characters from the comic book and puts them in a completely different adventure. 
first of all, Scott Pilgrim disappears after the first episode. And it's up to Ramona Flowers and company to figure out where he is and why he disappeared. And one of the best things about this show, if you're a big fan of the movie, the entire cast reprises their roles. So everybody from the movie is back. Karen Culkin, Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Raleigh in the house. Hold on, is Chris Evans in this? Chris Evans is in it. Oh, that's terrific. America's ass is in the Scott Pilgrim show. Oh, and I also got this off the shelf. I have the uh, the Scott Pilgrim game for the PS4. I got the physical version of that from Limited Run Games when they were offered that for sale. Pretty good. Excellent multiplayer game. So I love that game. I'm always Steven Stills. Of course you are. Colin from Accounts. What is Colin from Accounts? Okay, this is an import from Australia. It premiered on Paramount Plus this year. It features Patrick Brammel and Harriet Dyer, husband and wife team from No Activity, as a couple who care for a dog. It begins with somebody showing off their boobs, and it ends with an injured dog being cared for by said boob shower. And I just started watching this, and if you like accident-prone-based comedy, Harriet Dyer does really good physical comedy on this. Plus, the dog is cute. Now get it out of your system. Talk about One Piece. Oh my god, One Piece. This was like the same network that thought Cowboy Bebop would be a big hit. It was not. So then they put Wednesday on last year. That turned into a big hit. One Piece is this year's Wednesday. It's the show where it was just absolutely fantastic. uh, Absolutely dead on with the storytelling and true to its source material and Everybody enjoyed it. So I guess One Piece is the show you didn't even know you enjoyed. And also the casting helped because Inyaki Godoy as um, Monkey D. Luffy. Perfect casting right there. All right. Castlevania Nocturne. That's sort of a sequel to the original Castlevania series on Netflix. It's based on later games featuring Richter Belmont. This is basically Netflix saying, we've already finished telling the story of Castlevania, but we want more Castlevania. So they drew from another Belmont, Richter Belmont, and came up with Castlevania Nocturne, which takes place during the American Revolution and involves like uh, undead in New Orleans. So an interesting watch there. That 90s show. Do you like that 70s show? Yeah, it's all right. This is the sequel, and it's set in the 90s. So it's that 70s show, but the 90s. And they got most of the cast back in this, right? Except for one person. Oh, yeah, yeah. We don't talk about that guy. Oh, we don't talk about that guy for obvious reasons. Oh, yeah, we didn't include him in the uh, bad folks of 2023. You can make a case that two of the people in the cast of that 90s show should have been included, but we're not going to go that low. Uh, extraordinary. 
All right, this is a show on Hulu that asks the question, what if everybody in the world had superpowers except you? And it comes from the UK, and basically telling the story is a young teenager with no superpowers, but all of her best friends have superpowers, and the entire season is basically her trying to develop superpowers and taking care of a cat who happens to be a shapeshifter named Jezlord. It's new to us because it's on Prime. Takashi's Castle. It's new to everybody, actually. Well, that is true, because what? Our only exposure is NXC. Yeah, and this is a brand new series that launched globally. Is Gila Douche on this? They have a new Gila Douche. Oh, good. They have they a new... He joins the old Gila Douche. What? They have a Gila Douche. They have the old Gila Douche. They have the general. They have the new general. So we got an old general and a new general. Yes. And Beat Takeshi only appears in physical corporeal form at the end. That's amazing. Oh, Mike. We loved this when it was featured on Conan's podcast. But the Hans and Franz movie on Conan's podcast. This is a big what-if situation. What if Studio actually sort of gave this a shot? What if they actually got the casting that this movie required? This could have legit been... One of the most epic movies based on an SNL skit. Now, I know that's not a real high bar to go over, especially when you're talking about like Night at the Roxbury and and uh, I think there is an It's Pat movie. Yeah, that bar is not very uh, uh, high. But, oh my gosh, if you haven't heard what Greg is talking about, go to Conan's podcast, this was, I believe, August, July. They did uh, four parts, a four-part reading of the script to this movie. And it is downright hilarious, downright insane. Based on the reading they did, I legit would put this movie up there with Wayne's World. Call me crazy, but it was that funny and that absurd. It could have been one of the best SNL movies ever, but instead it got shelled. But I will say the greatness was Arnold in Pride of the Yankee. There's so much stuff that is just, again, absurdly hilarious, but would have made an absolutely epic movie if they went through with it. Well, in the last, we'll never know how great it would have been if it was actually a movie. But you know, it was great. The Maximum Effort channel on Freebie. Why are you saying that in past tense? It's still with us and it's still great. Yes, that is true. Because where else can we go for both 15 and out? And the kids in the hall. And Sports Night and Mad TV. And Discontinued. We're going to just ignore Discontinued with Bruce Campbell? But summing up what Greg mentioned... And also what Chico and I added, it's a great channel. The problem is, good luck finding it. The place that I watch it is 
Lex, it's not on Pluto TV. Uh, I don't know if it's on Freevee, but I don't use Freevee because I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber. It's on Freevee. Okay, so there's some accessibility there. But again, it's not on the big ones. It's not on Pluto TV. And uh, I don't even know what would be second place. Pluto TV is like number one in my opinion, but it's on Plex. So definitely watch it. It's really a good channel, a clever channel. They've got some really good stuff on there. I love watching Mad TV just about every night. That's usually how I fall asleep, to be honest. Not that Mad TV puts me to sleep, but it's just so hilarious the first whatever they're showing, first four or five seasons. You want the soothing tones of Will Sasso to send you to sleep. Well, I finally did see the episode that we talked about uh, a while ago uh, for the whole backstory regarding uh, when Will Sasso was on, uh, 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 was it WCW? Yeah, it was on WCW Nitro wrestling Bret Hart. And Deborah Wilson played heel on him? That was so great. It was epic. Deborah Wilson turning heel and giving Will the worst chair <laughs> shots ever. Seriously, you can fight me on this, but the first four or five seasons of Mad TV, better than SNL at that point. And I know SNL at that point had Will Ferrell for a number of years and Sherry O'Terry. And I, I was not a big fan of SNL back then. I was a Mad TV person. Same. Well, I'm going to be the one lone vote. I'm like the two out of three dentists. I'm the third dentist. You're the one who doesn't give a crap if kids' teeth rot. That's true. Oh, Loki season two, Chico. Just an amazing ending to the series. But also, Loki on the throne at the end of the series. That just made the series. Oh, yeah, he saves the multiverse. And he's the god of stories at the end. And I'm like, this is like the greatest thing ever. Plus, it sets the tone for the rest of phase five. We're on phase five now. Yeah. Although, given recent news, who knows where they're going to go. They need a new Kang. Yeah, Kevin, it's not that hard. Just recast. I don't want you to rush into a Doctor Doom storyline for Avengers Secret Wars. Just do what you did with Don Cheadle and Terrence Howard. Do the same thing. We're good. And lastly, The Curse. Nathan Fiedler, Emma Stone... Nathan Fiedler doing Nathan Fiedler things. It's great. I love it. Emma Stone doing Emma Stone things. Yes. Now we get to the part of the show that, well, maybe we don't enjoy doing because unfortunately this involves loss. This is the people that we've lost in 2023. And first and foremost, we're going to start January 5th. We lost Earl Bone at age 81. Maybe not a big name, but he was one of those character actors that you saw on just about anything, it seems, back in the 70s, 80s, even to recent times. January 7th, we lost a child actor, Adam Rich, from Eight is Enough, Nicholas Bradford. Not much of a television actress, but uh, on January 16th, we lost Gina Lola Brigida, uh, she did appear uh, on Falcon Crest, but a very big name regardless. January 25th, Cindy Williams. Shirley. We lost uh, Shirley from Laverne and Shirley. That's so sad. 
And then uh, one day later, we lost Billy Packer, renowned basketball analyst. He's legit a legend, especially March Madness time. Big loss there in the sports world. That's going to take us to February, where on the 15th of February, this one hurts. Raquel Welch at age 82. She was a queen. She was a sex symbol. She was royalty. And again, a day later, another big name in the sports world passed away. Tim McCarver, broadcaster, passed away at 81. Possibly best known, at least in my opinion, for when uh, Deion Sanders confronted him. And he said, you're a big man, Deion. Very big thing about 30, 32 years ago uh, when uh, I think uh, Deion was playing for the uh, the Braves at that point. February 19th, another big one. I did not realize this guy is 78. He seemed much younger than that. Richard Belzer, Munch. Well, he and seemed be- younger because he had so much energy. Well, no, he just looked younger. But also, beyond his Munch character, where we all know him, an amazing comedian. That's where he started, uh, I do believe. And then he got into drama somehow, and it worked. Going to March, March 9th, there may be mixed feelings on this person, but still very relevant when it comes to TV shows. Robert Blake. Yes, we know him as Beretta. But also, let's remember... I believe supposedly. I don't think he was ever formally legally charged, but he supposedly shot his wife, killed his wife. Supposedly. Keyword. He was acquitted, but he was found liable in a civil court for her wrongful death. March 30th? Maybe not a huge name, but in his field, a big name. Mark Russell. You may remember him as somebody who had the occasional special on PBS where he played the piano, did political satire. He was a real people correspondent. But also, since we talk about it every week, he was on at least one week of the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour back in 1984. Going to April, the 22nd of April, a person who's gotten popular in the last 20 years Len Goodman, who was one of the judges on Dancing with the Stars and, by extension, the original version in the UK, Strictly Come Dancing. And, again, not necessarily TV-related. He's made plenty of appearances, but April 25th, Harry Belafonte. Just an amazing musician. You guys have heard the Banana Boat song on Beetlejuice. That's Harry Belafonte absolute legend did shows like the ed sullivan show i remember him on the muppet show oh Oh. my gosh just absolutely amazing one of the best segments of the um muppet show run was the earth song by harry belafonte and then two days later april 27th we lost jerry springer yes he was a mayor yes he was a newsman but of course where we know him best for better or for worse, the Jerry Springer show. A show that, yeah, you know, originally was just a typical talk show, but then somebody, a producer, had the idea, hey, let's stink up the joint. 
And boy, did they stink up the joint for 25 years, it seems, at least. At least until Maury decided, you know what, we're going to make it all DNA test, baby. But Maury, I don't think, ever went the Jerry Springer route in terms of having just like strippers and fights between family members. Maury just stuck to like family drama, DNA tests, and teens gone wild. Like that one time Eric Cartman was on. I do what I want. Whatever. Well, you know what they say about the Jerry Springer show? Charting the downfall of mankind in real time. I do what I want. Whatever. So again, for better or for worse, you know, I'm Jerry Springer, talented person, decent enough host. Uh, unfortunately, powers that be made him go a totally different direction with his show. That's going to take us to May. I'm going to start May 6th. Not a TV personality, but somebody whose comments and actions were very pivotal on the TV landscape. I'm talking about Newton Minow, who is the FCC chairman who called TV as a vast wasteland. Very famous line by Newton Minow. May 9th, we lost, I want to say one of the biggest actresses in soap history. And I, I don't think that's overstating the case. I think when you talk about soaps, first and foremost, you've got Susan Lucci. But really, I think that second place pedestal goes to Jackie Zeman, who passed away only 70. It seems like she had been working like longer than that. I mean, I remember Jackie Zeman back in the uh, 80s. So, I mean, yeah, she would have been probably in her 30s at that point. She just was like a fixture on daytime TV. May 11th, we lost Barry Newman at the age of 92, another big name, another known name. A name we've actually mentioned uh, recently in the last week or two, May 15th, Sharon Farrell. She passed away. We mentioned her on Young and the Restless. We just mentioned her, I forget what show it was uh, in the last couple of weeks. I know we've done so many shows the last couple of weeks. But uh, I mentioned that on the first week, Match Game had the star wheel. She was on the pan. And she looked kind of clueless, with all due respect to her. But yeah, again, a name that we've mentioned uh, actually quite a bit in recent times and uh, did pass away this year. Another quasi-actor, but a big name nonetheless, Jim Brown. We're talking about the Dirty Dozen. We're talking about a number of movies in the 70s, but also he did some acting. He was in I Spy and Chips, but he's probably the single greatest running back in NFL history. Yes, I'll say that Barry Sanders is up there too, but Jim Brown was the original really good running back. May 21st, we lost Ed Ames. He played Mingo and Daniel Boom, but that's not his big role in TV history. You've seen this, and if you haven't seen this, go to YouTube. It's there. It's hilarious. He was a guest on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson back in the, I want to say, mid-60s, and they did a hatchet-throwing exhibition. And obviously nowadays, axe-throwing is, like, really big. So Ed Ames was throwing the hatchet, and... 
he got the the guy the 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 model uh, that was painted uh, a silhouette on a piece of wood but the hatchet landed square in the genital area and supposedly at that time that was the longest sustained laugh in television history i mean you can't make that up that's something that's just on the fly just random chance happened and audiences died again if you haven't seen it go see it it is epic may 24th george maharis he was on route 66 big name back in the 60s uh, another name maybe more well known for other endeavors but june 6th we lost pat cooper amazing comedian hilarious he did so many things he was on seinfeld june 8th again not a tv personality per se the less said the better we'll keep it really fast pat robertson 700 club cbn that's all that's going to be said june 28th this is a name I think a number of us may have gotten through many long Sunday nights 20 years ago, 25 years ago, by listening to this woman. Specifically listening to this woman talk about sex. Sue Johansson. Don't lie to me and tell me you never saw Sue Johansson on Oxygen late at night on Sundays talking about sex. I didn't because I don't have Oxygen. No, I was going to say, you're lying because you saw it every Sunday. No, but seriously, on Oxygen, this old Canadian lady would come and talk about sex and talk about uh, the different parts of the anatomy and whatnot. It was compelling TV. It really was. June 29th, a day later, Alan Arkin. Oh. Obviously, Adam Arkin's dad, but also... St. Elsewhere, Chicago Hope, a definite known entity. July 6th, Jimmy Weldon. He was a ventriloquist, but also, oh, I love this character. He voiced Yaki Doodle. I can't do Yaki Doodle, but you know who Yaki Doodle is. Yeah, I didn't want, I couldn't do, I don't think I could have done Yaki Doodle. I appreciate your effort there. Let me try. Yaki Doodle. No, it's what was bit, that? Uh, he had that like was a Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> it was closer to Gilbert Godfrey than, than Yankee Doodle. I mean, Chico had it with that <laughs> sort of ducky voice. It's like yeah. a baby Donald Duck, you gotta do. That's Chico is like I said, he's a lot closer than whatever you're trying to do, Greg, with all due respect. July 23rd, again, not a big name, but I remember this person from the 80s for two shows, actually, one more than the other. Inga Swenson, she played Krauss on Benson, but also she had a recurring role on Soap. I don't think related to the Benson role. So she was in that uh, that family, uh, Soap, Benson, that younger wit uh, family, if you will. Oh, this one hurts. July 30th. This guy was my childhood, specifically from about age 11 to like 14. Paul Rubens, Kiwi Herman, 
I don't even know what else we can add. Pee Wee Herman was just absolutely legendary. August 8th, uh, we lost the voice of Dale Gribble on King of the Hill, Johnny Hardwick. We've talked about this woman. She passed away on August 18th. Nancy Frangioni. We talked about her on Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. She was also on Another World, but the place that we've sort of mentioned her is who her husband is. And we just talked about him in the last week or so, Christopher Rich. Where we talked about Christopher Rich, we mentioned him on Reba. He was a guest on a couple of shows we've talked about in the past, including Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour, but also, and I think this is on the list for next year, he was Prince Charming on The Charmings. August 24th, maybe again, not a big name, but very relevant uh, in certain aspects. Arlene Sorkin. She was on Days of Our Lives. She was a co-host of America's Funniest People for a number of years. But the biggest thing is she was the voice, the original voice, I should add, of Harley Quinn. Yeah, on Batman the Animated Series. August 26th, and I know this hurt a lot of people. Bob Barker. Almost made it to 100. Going to September 27th, we lost Michael Gambon, age 82. October 5th, uh, we lost Dick Buckus at age 80. Again, big football player. But I think where us three remember Dick Buckus is he was an occasional character on My Two Dads. Well, also, he did football commentating, but from an acting standpoint, the three of us, I think, really remember him from My Two Dads. September 25th, uh, we lost David McCollum, who was known for being on Man From U.N.C.L.E. and NCIS. October 14th, Piper Laurie, oh. Catherine Martell on Twin Peaks, and you know how much we love our Twin Peaks around here. Yes, and also Carrie's mother and Carrie. And then, oh, this one hurt October 15th. Suzanne Summers. Where did we see her? Uh, Obviously, Three's Company, obviously Step by Step. Just an amazing personality. And let's not forget the Thigh Master. That was her gig in the 90s, so you definitely can't uh, forget that. October 26th. This one got me personally. Richard Maul. Bull. I know he also did uh, Two-Face on Batman the Animated Series, but full Shannon. He was like my spirit animal growing up. I related to him so much as a kid, just being sort of oddball, being sort of taller, bigger than everybody. Just an amazing, amazing person. Hilarious. Uh, And then two days later, uh, this is just getting from bad to worse. We went from Suzanne Summers to Richard Mall to Matthew Perry at 54. And yes, we make fun of him to a point being on second chance. Boys will be boys. But we all obviously know him from friends. And even the newest version of the odd couple. And I got to say the newest version of the odd couple. That was really good. Him and Tom Lennon were excellent on that. I definitely agree with you on that. Definitely an underrated show that could make a case of still being on the air. November 25th, another innovator, just somebody who created some amazing 
albeit trippy TV shows, but you need to give them credit where credit's due. Marty Croft, HR Puff and stuff, previous entry Lidsville. He just did like everything. And actually, recommendation here, go listen to the episode of Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast of Sid and Marty Croft. They just uh, re-released it as like an encore episode right after Marty Croft's passing. It's from like six, seven years ago. Great interview. Absolutely amazing what the two of them did. Uh, now, uh, December 5th. I think this is inevitable, but even though it was inevitable, it still hurts losing him. Norman Lear. Maybe one of the most important, prolific producers in television history, all in the family, Maud, Sanford and Son, Good Times, The Jeffersons, One Day at a Time. We could go on and on about all the stuff that he did, all the great stuff. I mean, yes, we talked about Hot L Baltimore. We talked about A Year in the Life. He's going to have some bombs. But seriously, all in the family, Sanford and Son, Maud, one day at a time. Some of the best television shows in TV history. But 101, bless his soul. That is just amazing. I hope I can do what he did at 101. I hope I can be alive at 101. But he was still working up until a week before his passing, believe it or not. And what he was working on, he was doing a reboot of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. I don't remember all the details, but supposedly it was something for like, it's supposed to be on TBS, but TBS sort of changed strategies instead of doing all comedy. They're going like in a different direction. Because you remember they had uh, like the last OG and, uh, and Miracle Workers and these comedies. They sort of shifted away from the comedy. So it was supposed to be on TBS in that comedy genre, but because TBS sort of crossed paths, went to a different route, it was sort of out there being tossed around to other networks. So it'll be interesting to see if that gets picked up sometime in the next couple of years. A Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman reboot. Something that hasn't been on TV in nearly 50 years. Last but not least, uh, before any obvious editing, if heaven to Betsy, anybody passes in the next couple of days, December 11th, Andre Brower. I know you guys remember him from Homicide Life on the Street. I was never a big Homicide fan. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, though, that's where I remember him from. And he did an amazing job on that. He did. He was legendary in that role. You know what was so great about him on Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Him with Cheddar the Dog. And you know, it's a darn shame that Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I don't think reruns anywhere. I know it used to be on like TBS and True TV, but there were like no ratings for it or the ratings weren't good. So it got buried to like five in the morning or four in the morning. That's a shame. I hope somewhere it reruns. I'm talking about linear TV. I'm sure it's on Peacock or something like that. It, it, it is. But, yeah, Andre Brower, that one stinks. And he was just 61. Like I said, just amazing. Two recent additions to our In Memoriam segment. Both deaths happened on December 26th. 
First, Bobby Rivers. Name rings a bell, especially if you watched VH1 back in the 90s and early 2000s, I believe. He was a VH1 personality, had a number of shows, also hosted the top five show on Food Network. But the big one, and this one really hurts, we lost Tom Smothers. Half of the Smothers Brothers, known for his yo-yo tricks. And actually, if you can find it, there was a really good piece about the Smothers Brothers on CBS Sunday Morning, I believe, earlier this year. Uh, I want to say it was between spring and summer of uh, 2023. It was great seeing them together, especially given uh, the cancer scare that uh, one of the brothers, I think it was Tom, was going through. That's going to do it for our 2023 year in review. As we always do at the end of the year in review, we're going to give you a little sampling of what's going to come on the podcast in 2024. Sit back and enjoy. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about my new ABC family drama, Don't. It's a cautionary tale of one family's journey into darkness and ultimately light. Sorry? Oh, no, I'm being told it's actually a Ryan Reynolds produced family stunt show. That'll work too. Rob Gronkowski kicking for $10 million. His trainer, Adam Vinatieri, with the Gronkowski family looking on. Here we go. The kick is up. It's no good, he missed it! I used to live on this street. Seven years ago, I supported a wife, two kids, and three bookies. Then one day, my luck ran out, and like any right-thinking horse player, I ran with it. Let's go to Ken Jennings, and even 20 grand going into final. Who is Jones? And we will accept that in terms of female athletes. There aren't that many. And you've got $17,201 more for a 37 Hi, I'm Johnny Bench, and this is the Baseball Bunch. Sam, Kate, Harold, Ozzy, Rick, Freddie, Michelle, Louie, with the Dugout Wizard, the Chicken. Look, it's not totally unusual for guys to have a few beers on Saturday night. So what's the problem? But it's not just Saturday nights, is it? I mean, you drink beer more than once a week. Look, I'm sick and tired of getting hassled. Dear Cricket, a wise person once told me that if you've got something important to say, type it up in a letter. To that end, I've dusted off this ancient blue contraption called a typewriter to tell you something very important indeed. The story of how I met your dad. There is a family down the street, the Huddles. The McCoys live right next door. Yes, I know. The girls are all right, Marge and Penny, but the fellas, they play football, you know. Savages, that's what they are. Let me get this straight. 
You can read everybody's mind. Of course not. Oh. Just some people. What people? Well, some people none of the time. And then some people some of the time. And a very few people most of the time. What category do I fall into? The last one. Most of the time. Yeah. My name is Sam Tyler. I was in an accident and I woke up in 1973. I don't know how or why I'm here. But whatever's happened, it's like I've landed on a different planet. Now maybe if I can work out the reason, I can get home. What is it? I'm a wood sprite. No, there is no such thing as a, uh, 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 a wood sprite. Oh, no? And I suppose there's no such thing as a big bag of air stuck in my tree, but there it is, big as life. Golly, she is a real wood sprite. No bigger than a bird, and very pretty. Well, how about moving this big... Oh, do you really think I'm pretty? Oh, yes, I certainly do. Oh, <laughs> aren't you sweet? And who are you? Well, I'm Teddy Ruxpin. My son's favorite character from my son's favorite show, he plays Shotty LaRue, and Frank's plays Don Yeso. Dad's TV review time. I give this show five stars. That's pretty good. It's out of a hundred. There's your preview for 2024. To start the new year, we're going to cover two shows. Really, one of them, I think, debuted about a year and a half too early, if that makes any sense. And the second show actually probably debuted a year and a half too late. The first show... I think it sort of got reconfigured into another show which would have a very long network run. But the second show, again, if this was done uh, about a year and a half earlier, I think it would have had a significantly longer run. I think it would have run for at least three, possibly four seasons. Instead, it ran for two seasons, roughly a year, a little bit more than a year. You'll have to come back to find out what those two shows are right here. It was a thing on TV. Again, please be safe with your New Year's festivities. We want to catch you here on Monday, on New Year's Day, with the first of those two new episodes. year never end we've never lost a year before and i'll be damned if we're gonna lose one on my shift